From Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of IFM Podcast. My name is Bini Tatan. I am the Managing Editor of Islamic Finance News. And today, we will be talking about Islamic fintech. Specifically, we will be looking at how the sector has adapted to a rapidly changing world triggered by the global pandemic. We'll be looking at Islamic fintech deals. We will be looking at how the vertical has changed over the last 12 months or so, and also what we can expect to see from Islamic fintech over the next year. Today, we are very excited to have Munir Khan, a partner and the regional head for the Middle East at the award-winning law firm Simmons & Simmons, to help us navigate this topic. So first of all, congratulations on winning the IFN FinTech Law Firm of the Year 2021. Certainly exciting news. Um, It has been a great year for Simmons & Simmons. The law firm has worked on numerous FinTech deals, both in the Islamic and conventional space, including um, advising Bupiam Bank and BLME on the setup of uh, Nomo. Then there's, there's, of course, Smart Card of Iraq for Abu Dhabi Bank's Magnetti project. So, Munir, as far as Islamic fintech is concerned, could you walk us through some of the most um, significant uh, transactions Simmons Simmons have worked on, and what do these deals say about the Islamic fintech sector? Yeah, happy to uh, talk about some of our experience over the last year. Um, some of which you've already mentioned. Um, and I can talk about some others as well. So um, the one you did mention was the NOMO transaction, uh, which uh, was for uh, Bubian Bank and BLME. So this is the first uh, international uh, Islamic digital bank um, regulated in the UK uh, by the FCA and um, set up in a way that uh, it can scale um significantly obviously these banks have a very significant middle east client base so that's important um and it was a very comprehensive project and it was conducted in a very very short space of time so very um uh compressed timeline uh we had a very large team an international team working on this cross-border and it brought together a lot of the disciplines um that you would uh, ordinarily see over a very long period of time working on establishing banks. But here, um, it was a bit like an orchestra conducting um, uh, a a symphony with an orchestra. And um, that was really, really, really uh, exciting and interesting to see that come together. Um, And there are so many aspects to a project like that. It really is creating a new it's like creating an, uh, a new person, uh, a new uh, breathing life into a new um, uh, organization or institution is uh, very exciting. But I think it, um, why we kind of mentioned that in particular is because we, we have interest from a number of other um, groups who are looking to do similar things. Um, I think the Islamic finance industry is um coming to the realization that in order to continue uh, the levels of growth that we have seen in the past um and in order to 
scale up in an increasingly com complicated and regulated world. Um, we have to look at uh, digital uh, financial services. And I think that has definitely dawned on the Islamic finance industry. But I think with developments like this, what we're doing is we're showing that it is possible to compete and it is possible to do this uh, in in um, you know relatively short time frames. So I'm excited about that, and I think that is really important for the industry. And I think that is definitely the way to go, and um, it is the future, really. Absolutely. So you've touched on this a little bit, but you know, so over the last years, obviously you've been in uh, in this market for a number of years now. Um, with recent years, and of course with the pandemic. I'm curious to know, based on your observation, how or has the Islamic fintech market changed? I suppose has the way the public uh, regulators, investors, and other stakeholders changed the way they see and embrace Islamic fintech? I think, um, yeah, I've been obviously involved in for a long time in the industry, and um, uh, we have, as a firm, also seen um, the growth of the fintech industry generally in the you know in the broader sense conventional space uh relatively young uh, although many many people would argue that it's been around for for a long time it just wasn't called fintech um but uh, i think what what i'm seeing is a more mainstream uh acceptance that this is not just a flash in the pan it's not a fad um there is a real um, growing industry here and there's a real demand for um, this type of um, technology and what it can provide. Um, the other thing is it's a very broad term so we have lots of verticals within the space and um, so for example an, another area where which has been seen as maybe a passing fashion but now people are realizing that no it is definitely here to stay is digital assets um, so that's also an interesting space um, and one in which we're seeing um, combination of Sharia compliance and digital assets um, as, the, as the understanding develops. So that's really interesting. Um, we're also um, seeing a lot of activity in the payment space, um, payment services, and um, also, um, you know, the crowd funding space as well. And some of the the Islamic fintechs bringing multiple elements of these together in one play. So um, it's here to stay. It's a really good opportunity for the Islamic finance industry to remain competitive and to scale, which has always been a bit of a challenge, um, especially when you don't have a, you know, not all institutions have a huge balance sheet. So they don't have those resources to be able to build bricks and mortar businesses in multiple countries. This is a really good way to um, tackle that um, scaling issue. Mm -hmm. Apart from, say, the lack of resources to, to scale up, having worked with fintech startups from, from various markets, both in the Islamic commercial space, in your opinion, do you think there there is actually a difference between them? As in, does being Islamic, is it disadvantageous? Is it advantageous? Like, or is it an equal game for all? I think it's the same for um, general non non fintech finance, if you want to call it that traditional, maybe finance. Um, you need to understand your market. You need to understand the 
target. Um, you need to understand your your geography as well. And uh, you know, unsurprisingly, there are markets where there is more demand for Islamic financial services, and I would include within that, um, you know, digital banking or um, fintech or um, you know, challenger banks or whatever you want to call them, um, and uh, sort of modern digital financial services. So um, I see Islamic finance as no different in that regard because we're dealing with the same issues. One of the issues is the demographic issue, the generational shift as well towards um, digital uh, financial services away from traditional bricks and mortar. Um, so the online world, essentially, uh, the, the digital world. And Islam, the Islamic finance industry, I don't think is any different in that regard. We have the same issues. We have the same um, problems. Um, we have the same uh, generational shift and change. If, if anything, it's even more uh, mm. of an issue. Because if you look at a lot of the core markets, Southeast Asia, uh, Middle East, uh, Africa, um, there's some very large young populations, uh, younger um, generations generally. I hope it's not seen as a uh, sort of a generalization, but on the whole, there is this shift towards uh, non-traditional financial services and also decentralized finance as well. Um, there is a bit of a trust deficit um, as well. So anything we can do as an industry to bridge that gap, we should be doing. And this is part of the, I think this is fintech and digital financial services as part of the um, the solution, I think. Absolutely. So you've mentioned earlier digital assets, payments, services, crowdfunding, um, and some of the uh, more exciting verticals uh, for Islamic fintech. Uh, verticals aside, what do you think are some of the more exciting markets um, for Islamic fintech in terms of market potential and opportunities? Uh, which jurisdictions have the most supportive regulation and ecosystem for Islamic fintech? I think um, so. It's a combination of factors. We see markets with natural, huge natural potential because they've got um, large populations, uh, young populations, um, large Muslim populations as well. Although that's not the be all and end all, because I think there's crossover potential here. Um, and um, but the missing piece is sometimes uh, top-down government support. Okay, which is really, really important. Uh, there are some markets where you've got all of those. So they would be the ones where I would say they're the really exciting markets. So um, in Southeast Asia, uh, clearly there are opp opportunities uh, in Malaysia, Indonesia in particular. Um, and here in the Middle East, um, there are markets uh, such as the UAE, which is a smaller market, but there's a lot of uh, government support, uh, especially from uh, government of Dubai and Abu Dhabi, uh, but also um, uh, in Saudi Arabia, where there is untapped potential, I believe, because it's a bigger domestic market um, and uh, there's a growing young population there as well, a, a large, young, larger proportion of younger people, um, and they are internet savvy. 
they are social media savvy. Um, they are um, digital native individuals. So um, I think these are the kind of markets that I think about. And then there's the huge and untapped potential of uh, Africa as well. And some of the African markets uh, like Nigeria and others. So um, I think there's a, a lot of potential uh, where you have this synergy of popular, you know, market size, um, a younger demographic and government support. Funding is, of course, um, a persistent challenge for, you know, both Islamic or non-Islamic startups, fintech yeah. startups. Um, what other what challenges do you think the sector faces? What do you think needs to be done so that we can sort of harness this synergy that you talk about um, in order to move the sector forward? Uh, the good thing is that I am seeing um, startups, uh, maybe, maybe not... Uh, in immediately, but uh, after a period of time, um, raising capital successfully. So I think part of it is education, um, ac good accelerators where um, startups can be provided with an ecosystem and support at the right time at an early stage. So we see some of those um, actually working very well now. Um, regulatory support, so call it sandboxes or um, what I would call enhanced regimes for, for fintech. Um, and um, I think a growing appetite from investors in the region as well, as investors from outside who maybe are more sophisticated so can see the opportunities more easily. Um, so there's definitely, I, I think in the Islamic fintech space, there's definitely been a shift in the last few years um, positive shift. You're seeing um, some of these uh, startups actually raising money around A, around B, around C, uh, and significant sums as well. Um, for example, in the robo advisory space, there are a few growing players in that space as well in the Islamic robo advisory space. So, um, definitely um, moving in the right direction. What more can be done? I think more of the same. You know, it is clearly working, but it takes time to raise awareness, uh, educate not only the startups, but also the investors as well. Um, and uh, I can see that happening. Mm -hmm. So just finally, what, what's your market outlook for Islamic fintech for, say, next year? What else can we expect as far as fintech is concerned from, from the law firm? So from us, um, it is sort of business as usual in the sense that we are very busy. Uh, we are constantly working on new opportunities, looking at new uh, businesses and uh, also established businesses who are looking at entering the space as well. Um, so um, I do I do hope that this time next year, I'll be able to tell you about some more exciting, interesting deals in the space. Um, I am, I've always been an advocate for um, convergence, so uh, broadening the scope and the, the relevance and the um, appeal of the Islamic finance industry. Uh, and I think um, a really huge opportunity is convergence of um, the ESG and Islamic space, because I see them as natural, naturally aligned. 
and uh, there being a huge overlap. Um, and so um, I'm hoping that there'll be more opportunities to talk about those sometimes seen as separate sectors or industries as one. Um, I think that's really important because again, uh, the millennial gener investor generation as well as um, the younger generations are voting with their feet and the Islamic finance industry has to provide um, options for them uh, and alternatives. And so it's, it, it is a golden opportunity, but it's also a risk for the industry as well that they sort of um, miss an open goal in a way. All right. Thank you so much, Munir, for you know having this chat with us today. We really appreciate your input and congratulations once again on the win. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN Podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.